On today's episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, Cody and I discuss the depth situation for the Houston Texans, and we're joined by the longtime friend Aaron Wilson of Pro Football Network. That is going to be a very interesting conversation. Before we do anything, Cody, start the show. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm John Hickman. This is Cody Davis here to talk about the Houston Texans. Before we do, midweek, Cody, Wednesday, hump day, uh, halfway through the week, work, writing articles, driving in Houston's traffic-infested inner city, uh, gas is going down. There's a lot to be happy about, a lot to be sad about. With the Houston Texans, there is still optimism. And I think Sunday, I'm going to say it now here on Wednesday show, I think Sunday they get the job done in Chicago playing against the Bears. A fun matchup, Justin Fields, Davis Mills. Those two quarterbacks I think have been linked together the most. I know we like to compare Davis Mills to the rest of those uh, first-round quarterbacks from the 2021 draft class. However, when I look at the rest of those quarterbacks, Justin Fields was the one that went into the more disgusting situation in terms of <laughs> roster, in terms of management, in terms of a franchise. And so when I look at Davis Mills coming into his situation here in Houston, David Cully, Tyrod Taylor goes down, Tim Kelly, bad play calling, no cap space, not a lot of weapons, and then thrown into the fire to play football starting roughly around 10 games last year. That wasn't ideal. So the two – Least likely ideal quarterbacks from last year's draft that are starting, not talking about those other bums, has had a lot in common. But we've got to talk about the depth situation for the Houston Texans. Now, uh, Justin Britt, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, they will be going on IR. Scott Quisenberry, who I think played very good in his debut at starting center for the Houston Texans, did a very good job on Sunday. But when I look at the Texans' depth chart right now, it is not that good, Cody. And, and I'll tell you my biggest issue with it. It doesn't allow for guys to get any breaks in between in between, on the field or not. The offensive line is not one of those units that you would expect to get many breaks. You are expecting those five guys to be able to play majority of the game as starters. However, let's look at the wide receiver situation. Tyler Johnson has not played the first two weeks of the season. He's coming in, so they wanted to get him acclimated to this offense. Um, but that doesn't make sense to me because O.J. Howard has also played, and he came in right around the same time, if not <laughs> earlier, uh, later. Uh, but Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, Chris Moore, Tyler Johnson, Philip Dorsett. Of course, we've seen Chris Conley get elevated twice. However, he is not on the active roster right now or the depth chart. And then I look at the lineman situation. You have Justin McCray, but he's backing up either guard, right guard, or left guard. He's backing up for the guard position. Charlie Heck and Austin uh, Ducellis is the backup tackles. And then you look at Scott Quisenberry, as of right now, is the only uh, starting center for the Houston Texans. I do believe that they're trying to call up another player. So offensively, where we've seen the struggles with Cody, I think this team – may have some fatigue issues 
that set in against the Broncos may set in against the um, Chicago Bears, and there may be an issue for them throughout the year. Yeah, and but most of that is the Texans' on doing because when I take a look at this backfield situation, once again, why is Darway Ogumba Wale still listed as the third running back? And look, I understand it. I get it. You know, I come on this show every, almost every single week, it seemed like, and every time we talk about this depth chart situation, I always question, you know, not only is why is Rex Burkhead still on this roster, but at the same time, he isn't giving you anything. And when you go back and you take a look at Sunday's game, Damian Pierce got all of the carries, and Rex Burkhead didn't get anything. And that's why I'm a little bit confused, because how are you going to let Rex Burkhead be your top carrier in week one? Then, of course, I understand you go and make some adjustments, but week two, you don't give the man no type of carries? Like, that that's kind of... that's. That's kind of odd to me, and I understand it. I get it. Tyler Johnson, John, you came on this show. People are talking about it out there in them Texans Twitter streets, as you like to say. I understand it. I get it. This is a young man who is still trying to get um, get get acclimated into the Texans and what they like to do on the offensive side of the ball. But at the end of the day, John, for the second week in a row, Everyone has been talking about the quote-unquote lack of weapons that the Houston Texans have, and you have a pretty quality wide receiver in Tyler Johnson right there that's a healthy scratch every single week. What's the deal with that? So, you know, I'm at the point now I really don't look too much into this whole entire depth chart because, I mean, if you take a look at it as of right now, Tyler Johnson is listed as the fifth wide receiver based off of this depth chart. He will be playing in Chicago come week three, but I'm expecting another healthy scratch from from um, Tyler Johnson. So, John, I, and then you still got Justin Britt starting, <laughs> and clearly something is going on with well, he's him. Been put so, on IR, so he, yeah, he's, he's been, be he's been putting on IR, but at this point, guys, just tell us what's going on with Justin Britt. I mean, at the end of the day, this is not a franchise starting center. You know, this will actually make more sense if this was Seattle and this was the production that Justin Britt was given for majority of his career in Seattle. Like, like, come on now guys. But John, I understand it. I get it. Yes. There's a lot of lack of production, but at the same time, in terms of like the rest Burkhead situation, in terms of the Tyler Johnson situation, some of this of the Houston Texans on doing. Absolutely. And listen, I'm not complaining about not seeing Rex Burkhead. And I, I don't know why you are complaining. About no, no, I, I know I'm not complaining, complaining that I'm not seeing. I'm saying that it doesn't make sense how week one, that is your lead running back. And week two, if he is listed as your second running back, why all of a sudden you did not give him any snaps coming out of the backfield. And if that's the case and you take a look at around the league, we are at the time, we're in a time in the league where we see a lot of two-headed running backs in the backfield. And, of course, Damian Pierce, that's going to be your lead back, but who's going to be the number two well, back? Who's going to give him the breather? The, the biggest, and I'm glad you said that because even though this is a running back in Damian Pierce who didn't get a lot of carries in college and has fresh legs, which is one of the pluses when you look at him, being one of those fourth-round picks and why they like him so much because he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on his legs. However, this is still the NFL. Their Ongubuwale only played in one snap on Sunday. And then you look at Rex Burkhead's situation, and to point out what you said, from week one to week two, there's a huge drop-off, and there's no production there to justify him on this team whatsoever. And so the entire offseason and preseason, my main issue with the Houston Texans was, and it's showing right now, 
is that they are not bringing in playable players. Like, and you said Tyler Johnson is, is I don't know, respectable or quality. Oh, quality wide that. receiver. We don't know that, honestly. We don't know how much of a quality wide receiver he is. Yes, I think he may be worth quality uh, for the Houston Texans because of the lack of receivers on this team right now. They sent Johnny Johnson the third and Jamie Kemp down to the practice squad. I would expect at some point throughout the season to see those guys play football as well for the Houston Texans. But the depth issue for Houston is not only is there not talent, but now you are going to fatigue your guys out. And fatigue brings physical mistakes. Fatigue brings mental errors and mistakes. Even when I look at the defensive side of the ball, Jalen Petrie, Jonathan Owens, Christian Kersey, Steven Nelson all played in 100% of the defensive snaps. Kamu Gugier-Hill played in 99% of the defensive snaps. And Derek Stingley, who only missed about five snaps, played in 94 of the defensive snaps. That's a problem somewhat. For you look at your two early, your two rookie uh, DBs early in the season, you you really want a rotation. That's the problem. Like, Eric Murray is still on this roster. He hasn't played. Uh, you know, they have guys that when you look back at it, again, you wonder, you scratch your head, why are they still on this roster? And fatigue ladies and gentlemen, may end up being an issue. By the way, I do want to mention that Jonathan Owen, who leads the league in tackles, what I wanted to see from him between preseason and now wasn't necessarily tackling. He's a, he, he actually is a very good tackle tackler with his form and technique, was coverage. And I do think there may be an issue, whether it may be communication or just not being at the spot quick enough or not being able to make a play better than the next man you're trying to stop from Jonathan Owens. And so that is something that I will keep my eye on throughout the year. But again, to bring it back to the depth chart for the Houston Texans, not only is it confusion for the lack of talent, but now, which it was before the season started, there is a confusion of lack of players at certain positions. As the Houston Texans gear up for week three's matchup against the Chicago Bears, you can also gear up for this fall, especially when you think about needing the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 800 million people. Then add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you guys know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Your chances are much higher with LinkedIn. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Wednesday installment of Locked On Texans. And as promised, we got our brother, our guy, Mr. Aaron Wilson, one of, if not the best, NFL insider that you can ever run across. Of course, he's a part of Pro Football Network. Aaron, what's going on? And welcome back to Locked On Texans. Hey, thanks, Cody. Appreciate the warm introduction. Always good to be on Locked On <laughs> Texans. Appreciate having me on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Aaron, let's jump right into it. The last couple of days has been kind of weird in terms of what is going on with Justin Britt. We thought that Lovey Smith was going to give us a real update last Friday, but over the last couple of days, you know, mm -hmm. you've been in the press conferences just like me, still haven't heard anything. What can you actually can share about Justin Britt as of right now? Right. Yeah, Cody, it's very similar to what I reported last week. These are mm -hmm. personal reasons related to football, why he is away from the team. And uh, it's a non-football illness. And he is dealing with personal issues. And the team is letting him have some time and space and privacy to contemplate his options. And obviously, when a player is displeased with his performance the way that Justin was after the first game against the Colts, where he had some a false start. He caused a false start. He allowed some pressure. He had some problems blocking in the open field. It just wasn't moving very well. It causes you to take stock, Cody. So you look at everything, you evaluate it. And my understanding is that it's, it was a very upsetting to him. You could probably tell from that press conference mm -hmm. the previous Tuesday after the Colts game, how Justin felt. He was very accountable. He was pretty tough on himself, I thought, too because he wasn't the only player that had some things that they wish had gone differently in the first game. And, you know, you win, lose, and tie as a team. But, yeah, for Justin, uh, very respected guy, very tough guy, and he's played a lot of football. He's had some serious injuries. He's had a knee issue for a while. But, yeah, it's a non-football illness. It's not because of his knee. It's uh, basically his reaction to that game and how he's feeling and – yeah, just uh, wish him the best and uh, did reach out and, and give him my support. Uh, didn't hear back from him as I had during happier times when, like when he signed his contract. But, mm -hmm. yeah, just wish Justin well. And I think for everyone, you know, especially when someone's dealing with something that is personal, you know, you have to – you don't always want to say so much. But, obviously, the, the trigger for this is the game. But, yeah, for Justin, you know, he's dealing with this and – uh, you know, with his family and you know his teammates, they have his back, and uh, he has to miss at least four games. Whether he'll be back, you know, I wouldn't expect that, but you know that he can always change his mind, and then the team would have to evaluate how do they feel about it. Oh, because obviously he's chosen to not be with the team. You know, he's mm -hmm. welcome, but this is his decision, and he has not replied to. Some teammates that have you know try to reach out, but uh, I think everyone understands that football and life, you know, just very personal things. And for Justin, this is his time to, you know, evaluate things, you know, including you know, does he want to continue to play? And when I say contemplate options, you know, one option can be retirement. Uh, every player has a decision to make: do you want to keep playing football or do you want to move on to other things? But he's had a proud, great career, and you know. He might feel differently about it. Who knows? He could. He's under contract. He could decide in the offseason or later this season if he wants to play. But he has to miss at least four weeks procedurally. But, yeah, Cody, um, I think it'll just be, like I know, it'll be Scott Quesenberry 
And then they can up Jimmy Morrissey from the practice squad if they choose to have him back up uh, J- Scott Quesenberg. And you also have Justin McCray, who can play all three interior line positions. So you have some depth at center. And I thought Scott held his own against a really good nose tackle from the Broncos, DJ Jones. Mm. And speaking of Scott, can you just talk about what has been some of your evaluation? How much better do you believe the Houston Texans offensive line got with Scott being in the lineup? They had some improvement in terms of pass protection because of his movement. Uh, He's a pretty quick lineman. He's a former All-Pac-12 selection. He was a fifth-round pick um, coming out of the Chargers. Uh, You know, UCLA, he was a good football player. He's also the third Quesenberry brother to play for the team following Paul Quesenberry, David Quesenberry. I thought that he held his own against DJ Jones. He did get shoved back a few times. Uh, DJ's significantly bigger than – Scott, but I thought the pass pro for the most part was solid and his run blocking. He was good at some of the double teams and, you know, working in tandem with Kenyon Green and, you know, AJ Can's opinion said he played his ass off, you know, so he thought he played well and that they didn't miss a beat. Uh, but obviously, you're going to be supportive of your, your teammates. I would say it was at least solid. It wasn't like he played badly. I, I think he played well enough to stay out there and that they don't have to bring in another center other than promoting a center. They did work out some guards the other day, Keaton Sutherland and Parker Ferguson. They brought in Tyrone Wheatley Jr. for a visit, and Tyrone is signed with the Browns practice squad. So they're looking at offensive linemen, whether they need to sign someone. I don't believe they do at this point other than practice squad depth. So there could be a practice squad move because they could make a change if Morrissey goes up, then it creates an opening for another offensive lineman. Mm. Now, Aaron, one of the biggest news that you had an opportunity to report on yesterday was the reconstruction of Brandon Cooks' contract. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it went from um, someone in the ballpark of $10 million to $9 million. Is there anything we can really like look into that, or do you think Nick Asirio is just trying to work some magic in hopes of um, – improving this roster as the season continues? Oh, no, this is strictly an accounting move. So what they did, Cody, is they converted $831,111 of his $2 million base salary into mm-hmm. a signing bonus that creates 554000 in cap savings. And it's just an accounting move because they only have $1.866 million in cap space. And so his base salary is now down to $1.12 million. Uh, from he played one game at the two million dollar rate, and he had the two year thirty nine million dollar extension in April. So you look at what they've done with Brandon, and they already did restructures for Desmond King, Cameron Johnston, and Kaimi Fairburn. So they're looking for money when they have to place a player on injured reserve. They have to replace that salary because the salary still counts with another salary. And unlike the off season when it's just the top fifty one salaries that count. It's all 53 salaries on the active roster that count against the cap. And you need to have money for your practice squad. You need to have money for all those things. So it's about cap, not cash. And there's really nothing right now that they're going to spend it on. But, you know, we'll see how they will handle it. I expect Justin Britt to continue to be paid, for instance, even though he's on the reserve non-football illness list. And teams do have a right, if they want to, to not pay a player when they're on a non-football injury or non-football illness. Uh, I don't believe they'll be doing that. My understanding is that they would be very unlikely to do that with Britt. So uh, we'll see what happens next with 
Justin and, you know, that also affects, you know, their cap savings, uh, depending on what he decides to do. If he was to retire, he would be off their books. So if he does retire, they could take him off of their salary list and they would get some cap relief. But, you know, that's not what they're about. They're, you know, have compassion and uh, empathy for Justin because obviously it's very emotional for him. But, yeah, with Brandon, he was just helping them out. Uh, as do those other players, you're still paid the same amount. It's just a matter of you get it all at once, which most people, for example, like, you know, uh, you know, have a business deal with someone and they are asking me, did you want to be paid once or once a month? And I said, once is fine. And that, so yeah, everyone, I guess, you know, would probably choose that option most of the time rather than once a month, if you could have it all in a lump sum, but yeah, that's what they did with Brandon. They paid him almost half of his salary, but he had already received a sixteen million signing bonus mm-hmm. from the Texans. So you know, it's not like basically it's just accounting, and uh, they don't even have to ask his permission. They can simply do it um, anytime they want to. Generally, is the language in terms of simple conversions where the player is not losing any money. But uh, yeah, Justin, sorry, rather Brandon is a team first guy, so he's happy to help the team out. Aaron, last question before we move on and start talking about, you know, stuff that's going on on the field and, of course, the game um, Sunday against the Chicago Bears. This backfield, a lot of questions. From what you can share, from what you have been able to analyze, why did the Texans decide to depart from Marlon Mack, and why is it that it seemed like they favored Mack over Rex Burkhead? Right. Why why cut Marlon, then cut him, then put him in the practice squad and then, yeah, and then, then cut release him, him from and, the practice squad? Yeah, and well, then he, in the midst of all this, you know. Right. My understanding is he's now with the 49ers and has been promoted to the active roster. So he's with the mm-hmm. 49ers, which arguably is a you know better football team. Uh, so that makes sense for him. But yeah, I think he just wasn't happy being on the practice squads. If, if you look at it just from an emotional standpoint and status, he was RB1 the entire offseason, majority of the preseason, then beaten out by the rookie, then accepts a practice squad spot, then probably thinks things over and decides, you know what, I don't know if this is for me. They release him. I think, yes, he is a different back than Burkhead. I think he can make some things happen in terms of ability to, you know, break a long run, which is what they need. I think he'd be an ideal backup, but they do – like Burkhead's special teams ability. They like his pass blocking, his pass catching. So he has a lot of skills in other areas, and, you know, he's their kind of guy. And with Marlon, I think he has a good attitude. It's just a matter of, you know, he was expecting one thing, which was to start mm-hmm. and possibly, you know, split some time with uh, Damian Pierce, and that's not what happened. And some of that's from performance, and some of that's just how well Damian performed more than anything. But, yeah, that, that's the reason why. And some of this is just free choice. And, you know, he's choosing to be with the 49ers. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. What you can do is find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. 
the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all of the trends. Come on now. And action happening at Bet Online because Bet Online is where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Now make your second listen the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. And continuing here with this latest installment of Locked On Texans, we have our guy, NFL and Houston Texans beat reporter, Mr. Aaron Wilson from Pro Football Network. Aaron, as of right now, the Houston Texans stand at 0-1-1. I know that is a weird, a weird record to say, but Aaron, what has been your evaluation throughout these first two games, um, especially given the disappointing play as of right now with Davis Mills? Right. It's really the fourth quarter. Obviously, they've been outscored 27-0 margin combined against the Colts and Broncos. And Davis Mills, I believe he's 5-for-16 passing in the fourth quarter. So, you know, he's got to be sharper later in the game. And all these three and outs are affecting everything. It has a trickle-down effect for the defense. And they're tired. It's one of the reasons they're playing a lot of snaps, but they're also having to be on the field for an inordinate amount of time. So this is affecting everything. And he isn't committing turnovers. I understand that, you know, other than he's fumbled once and lost and he's fumbled twice, but they were recovered against the Broncos. But he's got to, you know, place the football more accurately. He's got to make his process faster and he's got to make better decisions. And, you know, the touchdown that should have happened when he threw low to Brandon Cooks and Brandon wasn't able to haul it in. Technically it was a drop, but it was also a poor throw. Chris Moore was wide open Mm -hmm. and that was one of his reads, but almost everything is uh, there's a pre-read, whether he's going to go to the player and then there's another read. It's pretty much two reads. He has a couple of options. He never really gets to the third progression very often. So almost all the time he's going with his primary option, the way the plays are drawn up and He's just got to throw the football better. He can play better than this. We saw that last year, but it is something of a regression through two games for Davis Mills. Uh, you know, he hasn't played terribly, but he certainly hasn't played well. It's, you know, I would say average, um, mildly mediocre, nothing, you know, that's saying I'm the long-term answer, which is obviously what this season is an entire treatise on. Does he have the potential to be, you know, QB one here for the future. Obviously, after the last game, you got to say no. That didn't look like someone that you'd want to commit to for 2023. But it's a long season. Let's see how he plays. I think that you have to do wait and see mode with Davis Mills right now. But you know, mm-hmm. even if he does well against Chicago, which he could, uh, and, you know, they have a very poor run defense. You know, that might be a great game for Damian Pierce. Hint, hint, fantasy football managers and owners, but I really feel like for Davis, he's going to have to spread the football around and become a more complete quarterback in terms of occasionally moving, throwing on the move. He's got to get himself going and we're not seeing a lot of movement from him. And he's kind of a sitting duck there in the pocket. Pass pro is okay. It's not enough that they're, they can't block people at the point where they can't win. He was sacked three times, but 
that was Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb. And I thought Titus Howard and Laramie Thompson, for the most part, they really held their own. I thought Laramie had some very good moments. But, you know, it's not a ton of lapses where these guys are wrecking the game. The other teams get paid, too, and they're supposed to sack the quarterback occasionally and hit the quarterback. Mm. Um, Aaron, what has been your evaluation as of right now? Like I said, I know it's still early, but what has been your evaluation of the rookie class? Um, I know Derek Derek Stingley Jr. had his moments where you might have been left scratching your head, but at the end of the day, I love Sunday's game. Um, very um, pleased by what I saw from him on the field. Right, kind of a mixed bag, right, for mm-hmm. Derek where, you know, yes, he was picked on, but it's a – it's Russell Wilson, who's a Super Bowl quarterback. It's Carlton Sutton, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, I think nearly 6'5", almost 220. Not the fastest guy, but fast enough for a big man. And he's basically open regardless of whether he's covered because he's bigger than you, and he can jump very high. He's from Brenham, too. He's from SMU, so he's a Texas guy. I, I think that you're asking a lot for a guy in his second NFL game to just shut him down. And that was the focal point once Jerry Judy injured his ribs for them to go to Sutton heavily. And, I mean, again, this is Russell Wilson. They're going to get some you know, plays on you. I'm not alarmed by anything that happened. I thought that he held his own, and I think Lovey Smith was right. It was solid. He, he was definitely – he was competing. Uh, he's not afraid to tackle. He's not afraid to challenge receivers. And occasionally you, you, know, you win some and you lose some. And I think – you know, he was, you know, if you look at the red zone, the way he was competing in there, uh, did prevent a touchdown. It was a t- ruled a touchdown, but it was overturned. But he was in tight enough coverage to prevent the touchdown. I think Cody, you know, he's a bright spot. He's not weak link or anything. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that at one point they were having enough success that maybe you should have tried Steve Nelson just in terms of trying to win the football game uh, because mm-hmm. it was such a weapon. I don't believe that it was on him, the 35-yarder. I think that Jonathan Owens gave up too much depth, uh, and it was a cover-two zone play. So a lot of people initially thought, oh, is that man? No, it was zone. So it's on both of them, but it could have been handled better. And I look at that play and think that was a really pivotal moment in the game because after that, they throw the game-winning touchdown three plays later. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, Aaron, Last question before getting out of here. You are you are in as a NFL beat reporter beyond the Houston Texans. As you know, week three, the Texans play the Chicago Bears. When you look at that matchup, is there anything outside of, of course, their run defense, as you just mentioned, but is there anything that you can say if the Houston Texans um, go into Chicago and they do X, Y, and Z well, they can possibly win their first game of the regular season? Need to keep containment on Justin Fields, dangerous runner, uh, talented young quarterback, very physically talented and improving young player. Need to tackle David Montgomery. David Montgomery, very quick, very shifty runner. I'm still not convinced that this run defense is where it needs to be. You saw a lot of success from Javante Williams and the first week, Jonathan Taylor. Now they face another good running back who I think in many ways may be as quick or quicker than those guys. Uh, a little smaller back, but I think he's the kind of back that could give these guys trouble because it's not power that's beating them. It's speed and quickness and moves. So, yeah, they're giving up a lot of rushing yards, and David Montgomery is no slouch. It will help them that Vellis Jones Jr. 
He was doubtful for the last game, didn't play. If he misses this game again, very explosive rookie wide receiver. And, you know, I, I don't think they quite have enough weapons, but, you know, the Bears are not a very good team. To me, if they can't beat the Bears, then I'm going to question how many games are they going to win this year. It's going to be three. Is it going to even get to four? This is the kind of game they have to win. Yeah. And I think the offensive line for Chicago is probably the weakness that they'll be able to exploit because this is a solid Texans front, and I don't think they can block the Texans. And that's why, other than a running game and fields scrambling around, I, I just can't see them – having a lot of problems with this offense. And then the other side of the ball, obviously they need to block Roquan Smith, uh, one of the best linebackers in the NFL. But, you know, that's not a special defense by any stretch. There is no Khalil Mack this time. You know, they have some good football players, but they don't have enough of them. And that's mm-hmm. a reason why they have a new regime in place with Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, because the previous regime failed. And the Bears are very much a rebuild. Aaron, I'm glad that you said it. This is a must-win game. And by any chance, if the Texans do not win this game, do you see a major shakeup happening? Whether it be them meeting roster changes, meaning um, Lovey Smith possibly changing the starting lineup or whatever the case might be, because I hate knowing that we are going into the third game of the season. We're already saying that this is a must-win. Well, I think it's a little more com- complicated than that in, in the way I look at it. Must win would kind of connote that this team was supposed to win. Mm-hmm. And we still don't know that they were really supposed to be a winner. They, they feel like a more competitive team. Mm-hmm. They have made some improvements. But this isn't a very talented roster where you can say they have a lot of guys. They have a lot of solid guys, but they don't have a lot of Pro Bowl players. They have Laramie Tunsil and Brandon Cooks. Outside of that, who is a Pro Bowl caliber player? Couldn't really say anybody, right? No. If I was to tell you you have a roster with two Pro Bowl guys and a bunch of other guys that are just like pretty good or solid, you wouldn't think it's very talented, right? So if they lose to Chicago, it would be disappointing, and everyone will say, you know, they're just going to be a team that's playing for, you know, possibly the top pick. That's what people will say about it. But the funny thing is, and you know, I think draft position and the big picture are probably more important ultimately than this season in, in the long run. But the bigger thing is finding out can Davis Mills be the guy. And we have all you know, said that umpteen times. I really feel like in terms of change, who would you put in? You know, if you're talking about like is Farrell Brown still starting? Is OJ Howard? Okay, well the OJ plays plenty of snaps already. Uh, there's no one on the offensive line that you can make the argument that you could switch to unless Kenyon Green, like, struggles. You know, you could go back to Justin McCray. Obviously, you know, A.J. Can I think, has been pretty good through a couple games. The tackles are the most talented guys you have out there. On the defensive line, maybe you can make an argument that Rasheem Green should play even more. You know, if he's healthy again, he's healthy, you know, last week and he has one and a half sacks. There's no one in the secondary that I would put in. Those safeties, they have the best safeties out there that they can play, the best corners, the best nickel. This is your roster. I don't foresee any changes, and I don't think he would you know, move on from any of his coaches. So I think they would just stay with the status quo and hope that they can coach these guys up better. I don't foresee a shakeup happening, no. 
Aaron Wilson from Pro Football Network. Aaron, really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on social media? Yeah, I'm at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL. Instagram, Aaron Wilson 7128. On the internet, www.profootballnetwork.com. And I'm also on www.click2houston.com and Sports Talk 790. Uh, and uh, I think since the last time we talked, I uh, signed with NBC Houston, uh, KPRC uh, Channel 2. So, yeah, happy to be working with Randy McElroy and Ari and Chancellor. So, yeah, it's exciting to be partnered with them and provide Texans coverage for them um, on a local level. So, yeah, just uh, very, very excited about working with those guys, doing some writing, television, podcasting, and just uh, anything they need. Awesome. Sounds good. And as always, you can follow me and John. Um, Subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and on your favorite podcast streaming services. Follow my co-host, John, John underscore Hickman 12 on Twitter. And you can follow me, Cody M. Davis, on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.